Hello, I'm Michael Hasted, and you're listening to Arts Talk Radio, bringing you interviews and news relating to all aspects of the arts in Holland, which are either in English or where language is no problem. We cover Amsterdam, The Hague, Rotterdam, and the surrounding areas. Talk Radio Online. Features on the arts in English. A mixed bag this week. Later, I'll be at the Boyman's Van Berningen Museum in Rotterdam with an update on developments there. And our reporter Zoe Bowes was at the Winternachten Festival in The Hague where she spoke to a Palestinian poet. But we start with an unusual interview. Uh, we now have the rare privilege of interviewing somebody who doesn't normally speak. Somebody who normally appears with his mouth covered up with a piece of large black gaffer tape. And it's Sam Wills, who's better known as Tapeface. Um, so how long have you been doing this? He says, <laughs> he says he put up three fingers. <laughs> or was it two fingers? I can't commit to that. Whatever, whatever. OK. So... Um, you have been doing it for quite a long time. This character has been around for a while now. It's been 15 years, I think, wow. so since 2005. So yeah, 15 year anniversary this year of, of, of gaffer taping my mouth shut. <laughs> I thought originally it was just a small idea. I never thought it was going to take off to be this level, but, but yeah, it's because it I is. think your what your first success was the Edinburgh Festival, which was about 10 years ago. So about 10 years. Uh, 2010 was the first uh, my, my uh, sort of uh, best newcomer to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. But I've been previously performing in New Zealand and Australia yeah. for a number of years before. Because that. I think possibly people. Would detect a New Zealand Yes, accent. there is a New Zealand twang there, <laughs> flattening of vowels. <laughs> so how did you get started? I mean, what was the inspiration? Where, 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 what made you think of putting it? It's a strange it? concept to suddenly gaffer tape your mouth shut. So I, it came for me, it was an act of rebellion. So I, I used to do another show where I talked too much. So my old, my training comes from, um, I, I stalked a clown when I was a child uh, at the age of 12, and I, I, I forced him to let me be in his show. Uh, and then uh, he, he taught me how to juggle. I ended up studying at a circus school at the age of 17 till about 19. And so I trained in, uh, I majored in juggling, I minored in acrobatics, trapeze, high wire clowning and mime. Wow. And when I finished my qualifications, I stayed on as a teacher at the school. I taught jugglers, I was passionate about juggling. Um, and then I moved into circus sideshow and freak show. So things like hammering nails up my nose and eating light bulbs, pushing my body through a tennis racket, all sorts of disgustingly weird, wonderful body tricks and things like that. But all of these routines had a lot of talking. I, I would always talk a lot, very much like a Coney Island spruiking style of, of stand-up comedy and uh, in 2005 I, I won a comedy award called the Billy T. James Award in New Zealand and at the time it was the the biggest comedy award you could win and um, after that everyone expected me to do the same sort of show where I talked more and did these weird tricks and you know I'm the type of person that the moment somebody expects me to do something I like to try and do as much of the opposite as I can. That's the way to do it. Yeah, absolutely so the, so the first version of tape face didn't actually have tape it was just a silent character that I worked out and I wasn't very good at it because I spoke to the front row. <laughs> so I was very much out of my depth when it came to silent comedy on my first uh, embarkment of it. And then I, then I came back the next night and I, um, a friend backstage, he jokingly said to me, the only way that I could do a silent character was if I gaffer taped my mouth shut. 
and that's where it came about. And the rest is history. And the rest is history. I, ironically, the idea stuck, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you ever get um, fed up with it? I, mean, I, I don't, actually. It's a very therapeutic show to do. It's a, there's a certain... Um, the, the, the show itself, like I base the character as a nine-year-old, very innocent, naive and playful kind of character. And the show is also because there's no there's no pop... It's full of pop culture references, but there's no, um, no storyline, there's no political agenda, there's no message I'm trying to so, ram so, so home. Basically, so the actors, you get people up from the audience. Play along and have um, a game, yeah, yeah just yeah. just have fun. And so the idea is to remind adults to play. I think that's the thing that I think is forgetting a lot of people with, with performing today. They forget the element of play. So, yeah. And, and so I'm sure there are people who haven't actually seen you, but mm. your, your act is, consists of your, you have a, there's a gaffer tape across yep. your, your mouth, your eyes are fairly heavily made yes. up with black, and you've got sort of grease, Spiky sticky hair. Sticky hair. I, look, I look like a cartoon character come to life. And, and in fact, you're not the only one, because I think tape face is yes. a bit like Father Christmas or... or <laughs> That's or, a great one, Father or, Christmas. Or, or, or I suspect Nana Mascori. <laughs> that could work. <laughs> because, yeah. Because when I was, I, when I was checking on, on, on Times for, for, for the show today, I looked at your, your webpage, Itinerary, and it said um, that you were appearing in Las Vegas. Yeah, it's quite a commute. Which I thought... <laughs> from Delta to Las Vegas. It's but in <laughs> fact, there, you have an act, uh, a show running in... Yes, in, we have the, the show still running in Las Vegas. I've got a residency out there that's running until 2021, and there's currently three typefaces, three professional working typefaces on the planet. We have a lot of copycats and clones, and um, and when I noticed that we were getting the show ripped off, it was a, it was an interesting thing. to, to I got sent video footage of people doing my act, and, and I would watch it, and I would think, well, they're doing that wrong, they're doing that wrong, they're doing that wrong. But the audiences were still laughing at the essence of it, so I thought what would be really good was that if I had a chance to... Um, to actually train somebody properly and, and do the do it right, then then the audience would have a pure experience. So it, and it also turned into this. There's only uh, only only so many places I can be at once. So so for people, the demand of the show is people want the show in all these different places. So it's like, well, okay, let's let's create another tape face. And you're not going to get recognised in the street. You must have one of the it's most unrecognisable. Joy, mouths. I can hide <laughs> quite happily uh, from a lot of people. So yeah, when I take off the makeup and wear a hat and just wander around, it's just it's, I'm just normal Sam Wills. But and that's the thing that the character. The character is what's known. The character was what shot to fame through AGT, and the character is the, what's so visually recognisable. And how much does it change? Because I remember, I can't remember the, the first time I saw you. I, I can't remember. You, 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 can, you have a sort of bag across your shoulders yes, yep. with your props in. Yeah, I've got a, uh, the satchel occasionally. I've got the boxes full of everyday objects, and, and that's that's it. Uh, this is a brand new show that I'm performing here on, on the on the Holland Belgium tour. So there's currently three shows that I've written uh, in Vegas, where they're still performing show number two, and our third tape face is out in Australia. He's a part of an a bigger show called Cirque uh, Stratosphere, so he's only doing a couple of little spots in that. And for me, this is um, this is the most latest hour of material that I'm sort of bringing. Have you in. never worked in a circus? I haven't. No. With this act, I no. Would, why not? It would it would be very good. I, I did, but then I, I quite enjoy the stage on my own. I'm a very selfish performer as well. <laughs> my job is to come up with the bigger routines and the bigger shows, and then I break it into small vignettes and then send off other tape faces into shows. Um, in in Las Vegas, is that a, a big show with showgirls? Um, and no, no, it's big a very no, no. We keep it very to the to the essence of it. It's a little 180 seater theatre. It's uh, the Harris um, Casino were very loving to us. They they actually built us a theatre called the House of Tape, so it's a bespoke theatre for Tapeface. So it's a, it's full of gaffer tape and all sorts of wonderful things. But the whole focus is just on the on the show. So it's very much still cardboard boxes on stage and still. If anything, we're more like the um the alternative option to shows like Cirque du Soleil and that sort of thing with all the big production values and whatnot. We we like to say that we've got the biggest production values in Las Vegas because we require your imagination. Quite right. <laughs> These clone acts they're, they're identical. They don't they're not allowed to put their own. They are not allowed to put their own thing in. One of the things that we pride ourselves on is show consistency. 
consistency. So their job mm. is to follow the script. So we've actually scripted the entire show. So this is why I'm, I'm here on this tour, is I'm very much breaking in the show to get the repeat, uh, repetitiveness down so I know exactly oh, okay. what the movements are. And so it becomes a bit like a dance routine of like when you break down the routine, it is very much a pick up a balloon, place it under your right arm, do this, do this, do this. And we've, because I've done enough shows, I've worked out pretty much every option that an audience member can improvise to a degree. So it means that the clones know that when somebody does this, then they have to go down that option and then that's how they do it. Isn't it sort of fraught with danger getting people up from the audience? Absolutely terrifying. Because <laughs> you either find somebody who's going to stand there and do nothing or somebody who thinks he's just as funny as you are. Yeah, the last thing you want is somebody who's keen. <laughs> you want It's very hard to find just somebody who's straight down the middle, a normal volunteer who mm. can play along, not play too much, have the right amount of awkward energy and, and still succeed. But at the same time, I think what the difference with the show that I'm doing is that we, we celebrate the people being on stage. The goal is that when they leave the stage, they should leave the stage a hero. So it's rather than audience participation on a, on a belittling scale. Yeah. Yes, which it, which it often is. It is very much so. So <laughs> it's unfortunate. OK, well, thanks very much for that. And um, I should look forward to seeing the show Enjoy later. the show tonight. As long as you don't get me up on stage. <laughs> because no, because no I should be safe. both of those no things. No seats are safe. <laughs> 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 Arts Talk magazine provides the perfect companion to Arts Talk radio with reviews and previews in English of cultural events in Holland. Whatever your interest in the arts, our international team of writers will always provide something new and exciting to see online. That's Arts Talk magazine, all one word, dot nl. Arts Talk magazine, dot nl. I'm at the Kunsthal in Rotterdam, and I think most of you will know by now that its neighbour, the Boymans van Berningen Museum, will be closed for the next seven years for major refurbishment. But the Boymans is not idle, and is mounting exhibitions at other venues, is taking pictures out to the community, and lending works to other galleries around the world. This evening, Boymans is hosting a New Year get-together at the Kunsthal for the city's great and good, and to promote the exhibition masterly, which consists of major works from the Boymans collection. I'm with Frieza Lamazer, who is the curator of Old Masters, I think is the correct title, yes, at the Boymans. Yeah. So, one would think perhaps that now the museum is closed for so long, you would be idle, you'd be sitting watching daytime television. But that's not the case, no, is I it? Should, I should like to, but <laughs> I still have to work, I'm afraid. No, it's, it's great that we can have exhibitions in other museums in Rotterdam. Uh, and here in the Kunsthal, we have really, uh, I think, a rather spectacular show, at least really very important paintings and drawings from our collection. So what was the thing behind this show? It's called Masterly. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's comparing... Uh, different painters and, and, and draftsmen. So the idea, because we have about 90,000 drawings and about 3,000 paintings, so to make a choice is rather difficult. But we thought, let's look at artists of which we have at least one painting and at least two or more drawings, so that you can show an artist uh, in, its, in its more broader, uh, to say, because the nice thing, a, a painting is for the audience, it's, it's for the world outside. So, and, but that's different from how he works inside in his studio, it, it, it's far more personal. We so, had this discussion before with the Rubens. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And so it, it's, together they show the more complete artist and it, it's nice, 
I think, to show them. So, for example, Watteau, we have one Watteau paintings, but I think his drawings are so well, much I, far I, I, more that, moving. That was the outstanding thing to me, actually, yeah. because there were a lot of cases where I felt the, the work on paper was much better than the painting. I think the Watteau was a prime example, yeah. because it's not a particularly good painting, but it's very, very good drawings. Yeah, exactly. And, and some painters... Uh, the, 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 the final works we have problems with now. So, for example, an artist like Kukuk, a 19th century landscape painter, I think the paintings are too detailed, too, too romantic. But his drawings are extremely nice. They are easier for our time to grasp and to, mm. to enjoy, I think. I mean, I often find uh, with a lot of artists that they can either draw or paint. Very often it's the drawings which are stronger. Yeah. Or the work on paper. Anyway. Yeah, I, I think so too. And, 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 and um, um, with paintings they try to be fashionable quite often and, and to, to stay in time and with drawings you don't need to. It's no. just uh, staying to what you see and the really... Yeah, with, with drawing you're not really thinking of the consequences no, of the painting exactly. you are. Yeah, and, and until the 19th century they never sold them, so it's just for yourself mm. and it's so... And then you can really, if, if you're technically very good, miracles uh, exist. But, but um, I, I, I think possibly the closing of the, the main museum has given you a lot of opportunities to do things maybe you wouldn't have done before or think of things you wouldn't have done exactly. before. You know, exactly, and also uh, one of the great things was how should we show this this exhibition because it's not chronological and uh, and it's, it's from old masters up to really to, to Basquiat exactly. and so on so Basquiat is hanging next to Van Gogh yeah, yeah. and uh, that's nice and some people will perhaps hate it and, and uh, Delacroix next to Rubens of course Delacroix sort of Rubens as is completely calls him the Homer of art. So I think the basket came out came out of it much better than David Hockney did actually. <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah, and, and it's interesting because uh, I think Basquiat once said everybody, uh, no, nobody wants to miss the Van Gogh boat, and and what he meant with it, it was that uh, in the art world there were a lot of people who collected and they won't never make the mistake anymore that they would miss Van Gogh, and Basquiat thought. I will use this kind of ID, so they have to recognize me as Van Gogh, and and, and it worked a little bit away. And but the main reason why we hung them together is uh, they are bigger than life. Both Van Gogh and Basquiat. And they were outsiders. They are yeah, and, and died young. Died young, and and they are myths at the moment. We can't uh, really look at the quality of their paintings because there is so much. A biographical material, the, the paintings, uh, they cost fortunes, 50, 60 million. So they are outside our... They, we can't really see what their quality is, I think. It, mm. It's very difficult. And that's, um, yeah, that's one of the reasons to, to compare them. Okay, thanks very much for that. Okay, you're welcome. Arts Talk Radio Online. We are at the Kunsthal in Rotterdam and although the Boymans van Bernigen Museum just across the park is closed, all is not lost because rising from the ground next door to the main building like a giant silver bowl is the depot which will store all the museum's artworks and will also provide access to them for the public. Right, I'm with Charles X, who is the director of the Boymans van Bornigen. And last time we spoke, I think you were you were just closed. Yes. Which was when May last year. Yeah, May the end of May. So what's the what's the progress with the depot? Um, well, 
this night the depot looks extremely beautiful because it's uh, we it's saw a it when we came night. in. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's, it's different, different every time you see it. Yes, it is. So it, it is a kind of mirror to the city at this moment. The uh, the outside, the skin, is almost finished, and um, um, the, the 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 inside, the contents is a work in progress. Um, we face at this moment that the constructor will leave the premises in four months and then we move into the building, we have the permission to go in there and we will do the cafe, we will do the storages, we will do um, um, the, the, the big glass boxes that show collections. Yeah? But people will enjoy within one and a half year when it's completely furbished and also um, f full of artworks. Do you have a precise opening date yet? Um, the, so we have a, a surprising uh, party for the city and people who are in the city at that moment. The first weekend of September, we call that the silver opening. Um, we can uh, allow about 15,000 people to enter in three days and we just would like to see to, to show people the, the, work in progress. The, the, the naked building, ah, so, right, it's, okay. it's, so you can see the wrecks, but you can see the space, you can enjoy the stories. And when do you think it will be full and ready to and see? One year later, yeah. Okay. So, but the, the outside is already uh, No, it's fantastic. I've been past, yeah. I came past it this yeah. evening, yeah. and it was showing yeah. the, the, yeah. the night sky yeah. with all the yeah. lights. Yeah. And yeah. I think I was here last week, and it was a beautiful blue yeah. cloudy sky. It yeah. looks fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I just noticed, because we are now facing it for the first time too, that when we have bad weather, it looks bad. The depots. Perhaps you get a projector. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so you could say it makes everything more beautiful and worse at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it, it reflects what we see and what we look at. Mm. And but, uh, but the nice part is that it, it makes everything, it diminishes the size of everything to 10%. Yeah, it actually managed to get the whole city in. in you get the indeed, impression the yeah. whole city is reflected And even it's, there. It's, a, it's a Dutch looking glass because you can look around the corner. So it's, if you are on the street in front of the Boymans, you can look at the Kunsthal 300 m meters yeah, yeah, yeah. further and see what they do and if it's crowded or whatever. Mm. So, and what's the progress on the main building? Yeah, um, I, I just told the audience a little about it. We, will, we, will, um, we are now in the finishing weeks of the selection of the architect. Um, three groups um, uh, are now in competition. It's uh, Chipperfield um, and Wessel de Jonge. It's Kaan Architects from the Netherlands with Van Hogevest and it's Meccano. Uh, those three... Um, Not Meccano like the old construction uh, kit for children. It's of course the name of that Meccano, but this is a group that is working since 40 years and they did the library in New York. Um, they do very big, is it, is it not surprising that you don't choose the architect until after it's closed? Yes, but the, the building was obsolete. So we... Yeah, we, we said we talked before and you yeah. said it was full of asbestos you discovered yeah, when and, you started. And so it, it was getting dangerous. And mm. um, uh, as a director, I'm obliged to, to talk to all my colleagues yeah. and to, to sign loan uh, forms and to give um, uh, condition reports and to... And, but I thought at a certain moment, well, we have to close and so it was our decision to do that and so the, the the things come not as usual but we knew that the building so one of the things was that the that the building was still safe but the fireman said to us at a certain moment you have to rehearse because we now know that if anything would occur fire mm -hmm. in your building um, it's, it's getting dangerous for all your visitors but also for yourself mm -hmm. in within three minutes so this enormous building of 30,000 square meters was getting so old 
and the machines were so yeah, yeah, old-fashioned yeah, yeah. that we could not take the risk anymore. But to a certain extent, there has been a silver lining. You've got the depot, but also you yeah. have the opportunity yeah. to, to do shows on the outside and maybe things that you wouldn't we have do. thought of we or, do. or had the opportunity so, so, to do before. So we, we work at this moment in 83 classrooms. Wow. We go down with a crate and, a, and an artwork <laughs> and a team. We open the crate and we talk about what happens. What is this profession? Who owns this? Uh, what do we see? Um, what is the price? All children want to know what the price is. And th that's, that's great. And it's now, well, we reach out to 2,000 children who have a very peculiar and important experience uh, within the intimacy but of the room. But you're sending out stuff to other galleries, aren't you, around the world? Yeah, yes. We have a tour uh, with traveling collections. As a surreal collection is traveling to four continents next year. Um, we go to the National Gallery with our old master paintings. We, will, we are talking to Antwerp. They would like to mix our collection with theirs when they open the new building in two years. We are talking to the Prado, to the Getty at this moment. And it must uh, be very popular. Uh, I think the collection <laughs> is because I'm a Mr. X. Ah, oh, uh, but you're the one who decides. They don't know who I am. <laughs> no, 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 but we, 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 we feel very, um, yeah, we, we would very much like to make the collection more known. And of course, uh, the second city in the Netherlands, Rotterdam, uh, we do the, the song festival next year, but they should uh, know that this is a very nice, a very nice art city as, as well. Oh, I think they do. I mean, and you yeah. have the big art fair coming up next yeah. month as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, you're well informed. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks very much indeed. Okay. You're welcome. Bye -bye. See you next time. Arts Talk Radio Online: Interviews and features on the arts in English. That was Cheryl X, director of the Boymans Van Bernigen Museum in Rotterdam. Our reporter Zoe Baus was at the Vinton Acton Festival in The Hague last week and she spoke to one of the writers who was taking part. I'm sitting here with Asma Azazi. Now, she is a Palestinian poet. Um, she's also a journalist um, and she's involved in the art world. And she's here with us at the Vinton Acton Festival this year here in The Hague. Asma, thank you so much for joining us on Arts Talk. Yeah, thank you so much. Now, Asma, I heard some of your poetry last night, and it's beautiful, even in translation, because I know poetry doesn't always translate that well. Yeah. Uh, but now, I also know that uh, Arabic poetry has a very, very rich tradition. Can you just tell us a bit about how that tradition informs your writing? Because, of course, we can't maybe appreciate that because we, we're not hearing it in the original form. Yeah, I think uh, um, it, on, it doesn't only apply on me, mm. maybe... Um, many other young poets uh, in the Arab world would say the same, that uh, we, on the one hand, are uh, um, we have this inner storage uh, in ourselves uh, that comes from the, the classical poetry, uh, where language is so eloquent and, and, and high and, and, and a little bit complex, maybe. <clears throat> and on the other hand, we are... Um, fighting so to say to uh, to create our own contemporary language and to be very simple and to be un more understandable and to and to uh, uh, to write uh, a text that is closer to us closer to our contemporary mood maybe so i i, I think that i'm in there in somewhere in the middle where i i i, I was raised up um my father was uh, all the time telling me uh, um Phrases of um, poetry uh, that he keeps by heart because this uh, this is a very Arabic thing that people used to 
uh, if you're good at school, then you know more poetry. I mean, you keep by heart more po uh, poetry uh, lines. So I used to say these uh, lines without under even understanding them. Mm. But they are there. They yes. are in me, yeah. Yes, I have read about this sort of um, this tendency to recite yeah. poetry. And in fact, they said even in the pre-Islamic world, that was part of it. And then that then moved over to reciting parts of the Quran. So it's obviously a very, very, very long oral. tradition. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, very oral. And, uh, yeah, uh, and, and these poet, poetry uh, or poems, they were recited also in markets. So, it's, so they were very, very uh, popular. And yeah. they were like in public, uh, very public sphere everywhere. And people would uh, hear them and listen to them. So the, so the poetry was not really like far away from them, from, no, their, own, from their daily life. It's an important part. Now, do you think poetry is still an integral part of, of the Arabic culture? I'm afraid not. No. I'm afraid not. And I think it's a global uh, uh, problem. Though uh, the young generation, we see that they are uh, trying uh, actually to, um, as if to um, return to some kind of like, uh, for instance, in England, uh, we see how poets are blossoming and like uh, they are doing something in the in the literacy and not not only the novel because the novel is the hero now you know but uh but i'm afraid not because i think globally uh, we are facing a really really like true problem of of laziness people are lazy they just want to consume we want to consume something that is very easy like netflix uh while whereas poetry needs you needs from you more a little bit more effort to just uh, um, uh, observe and and, and and think and maybe re read the poem again, but this is in this contemporary life hard like, work yeah hard work exactly. <laughs> Asma, thank you so much for talking to us on Arts Talk Radio today. Thank this you. This is very Zoe much. here in the Hague at the Winternachten Festival. No doubt there will be lots more news and events to do with Boymans and, of course, Arts Talk magazine and Arts Talk radio will keep you updated. In the meantime, that's all for now. If you have any comments, leave them below and please follow us. So, until the next time, it's goodbye from me, Michael Hasted. Bye. <laughs>